0: Hey, I'm your host, Sarah Sennett. I'm a Masters qualified digital marketer. Together, we're going to up-level your marketing game. My aim for the Marketing Mindset Club is to give you clarity on how to create and communicate value. Learn the latest marketing techniques, build your skill set, and develop the confidence you need to get the results you want. Hello, folks, welcome back to the Marketing Mindset Club. Today we are talking to Matthew Roachford. Matthew is an executive coach working with award-winning entrepreneurs, directors, senior managers in a whole range of industries, including venture capital, fashion, food, property development, health, recruitment, film, TV, and music. So a really broad range of industry expertise there. He's been supporting, coaching, advising, and providing counsel to people since the late 90s as a a business and marketing consultant, executive coach, and martial arts trainer, which I definitely am going to ask him about in a second. Being able to help and support other people to be more insightful, successful, responsible, and fulfilled has always been a passion of his. So on the show today, we are talking about mindset, which I believe is such a big part of being an effective marketer. And after all, that's why I called the show the Marketing Mindset Club. So welcome to the show, Matthew.
1: Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here.
0: I'm really excited to have this conversation because up until now we've been very marketing focused on the show. So uh, fulfilling the other half of our brief uh, is going to be very exciting. So, yeah, tell us a bit about your background and how you got to where you are today.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, I'm 51 now, so it's going to take a long time. So I guess I'll 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 do an edited version then. So um, I was born in Scotland, and I was. Born into a multiracial family, actually. So my mother was from India and my dad was from England, and I was brought up in Scotland. Um, and that gave me—I don't know—it gave me the perspective that I have, and it made me appreciate uh, people from different backgrounds and their place and their value. And. After finishing school, I went to university and I studied politics and history at Newcastle. And you know what? I was kind of interested in that for a while. And I kind of got much more interested in music and having a good time, to be honest. But, you know, I did my degree and I came out of that and I didn't really have a clue what I I wanted to do with the rest of my life. My mum, she suggested that I went into journalism because that was quite a common career path for people with politics and history degrees um, and that didn't really kind of interest me um, and I bumped into somebody, uh, became friends with someone who was a Tai Chi teacher and a martial artist and he'd done Kung Fu and he's, t- I started going to his classes as a young man and I learned Tai Chi. I learned Tai Chi as a meditation and also as a martial art and after several years I decided that I wanted to be a teacher so I actually studied to be a Tai Chi and Qigong teacher Uh, for six years actually I studied to be uh, to get my teaching qualification and I set up a, a Tai Chi school in Devon in the late 90s and uh, that went really well, and I started to train teachers. So I trained people how to be, you know, how how to become a qualified teacher themselves. Um, and during that process, when I was running that Tai Chi school, as well as teaching a lot of Tai Chi and meeting some amazing people, and really helping people with their well being, with their focus, with their psychological health. I also got really interested in marketing and how to sort of get the benefits of something across and I happened to meet someone on one of my Tai Chi courses who was a one of the I guess he was one of the pioneers of digital marketing in the UK Um, and he's called Martin Brooks and he set up some quite well-known agencies. One was called Agency Republic, which was quite a, you know, in the late 90s, they were, they were one of the first sort of big um, digital marketing agencies. So I became friends with him and he gave me lots of ideas actually. Um, so through running the Tai Chi School and, and reading and uh, my association with Martin, I kind of got quite good at marketing, actually. And I also learned to write. I I had always had an interest in writing, but I wrote a book on Tai Chi. um, So I kind of knew how to write. And and people started asking me to um, help them with their businesses from a marketing perspective. And we sort of created the first Tai Chi brand in the UK at the time, which was called Tai Chi Nation. This was about, I guess, it was about 2007. Um, And anyway, so other people started asking me about, you know, their their organisations, you know, helping them with their branding. And that just gave me the idea that I could create an agency, a small digital marketing agency And for a while, run it alongside what I was doing with the Tai Chi organization, which by that point had had grown and we had more directors involved. So I was kind of able to to do both for a while. And I found that quite exciting. We had some really interesting clients. We worked with some quite well-known snack companies and we worked with some eco product companies that were really great. Um, and that was great. That was really good. Um, and then it was about that time that I started to have coaching myself. So I had coaching specifically on developing leadership skills, and I had that for about three years. And it made a massive difference to how I engaged with being a consultant and, and, um, um being a director of my own organization so that was really quite pivotal and I've had an interest in sort of meditation and and um, eastern philosophies for a long time somehow the coaching kind of brought a lot of things together for me and I spoke to my coach and I said you know what I think I want to be a coach and he said the first thing he said to me he said He said, "Oh, you could do it standing on your head," and which was—I was was quite surprised about. Um, Anyway, it was nice that he said that. So I went and did a course, and I qualified to be a coach. And that was about four years ago now. Um, So I was just able to kind of—I've had kind of like three careers. I've had my Tai Chi career, I've had my marketing career, and I've had my—and I'm now in my coaching career. Um, so I consider myself very fortunate. And, but it's also given me a little bit of an insight into how to reinvent yourself. Mm. And um, a lot of my clients uh, often have that, chat, you know, are at, that, at that stage in their life, they maybe got a career change, maybe they're changing role, or maybe they're just getting out of their industry and doing something completely different. Um, and that's, through my own experience, I understand how that's quite scary. So. Uh, and, you know there's a there's a lot of questions that come up at that point so anyway so a few years ago I started my coaching business and uh, here I am speaking to you <laughs>
0: That's a really exciting journey. And there's there's so much there that I want to talk about. And uh, I'm a little bit like a kid in a candy store trying to decide which, uh, which questions to pick first. But I think it
1: hasn't always been easy. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that it sounds like there have been so many opportunities, but so many challenges as well. I mean, it, it's no mean feat to start an agency on your own. You know, having come from a successful business anyway, what was that experience like moving from from the Tai Chi business into running digital marketing at the same time and growing that enterprise?
1: Yeah, it was quite in some ways it was relatively seamless. Um, I think the hard thing was the was how to leave the Tai Chi organization that I'd set up. Mm. Um, That was actually quite challenging. Um, and that felt quite natural to move into marketing and I was helped by uh, you know quite a lot of other people to do that and I had a small but brilliant team Um, I had three people in my team when we worked together uh, delivering for different clients I mean we're talking a pretty tiny agency but doing really really interesting work and we did all sorts of stuff we did everything from uh, branding to websites, to photography, to videos, to um, like running competitions for for clients, um, following their journey and kind of reflecting that in the content, you know, it's all about content. It's a large part of it is about content. Um, and I think the challenging thing for me was to kind of manage that workload and as you all know in marketing the, the detail is so important and um, that that that's that was pretty challenging and you know it's quite it's a very stressful industry to work in marketing.
0: Mm. Did you find that that was a stark difference coming from running the Tai Chi business?
1: Yes and no but I think the, the thing about Teaching Tai Chi, and at one point I was like teaching like 12, 14 classes a week and working at weekends mm. always. And you know, you'd always get quite a long break in the summer, often, which was great. But the rest of the time is pretty full on. But I think the advantage is that when you're teaching Tai Chi, you also get the benefits of it. Yeah. When you're doing marketing, you kind of, you're just working on it. And, um, so I think that was the that was the big difference.
0: Um, was that yeah. a bit of an upheaval for you? Did you have to be more proactive about your well-being because you weren't getting the benefit from those classes?
1: Yeah, I think I think I yeah I was. Um, um, I was still doing tai chi myself and still doing meditation. But it is, you know, it's quite relentless, isn't it? Marketing, advertising worlds, worlds there. You know, even if you just, even if you're running a tiny agency, it's still going to be pretty Mm. full-on. So yeah, you kind of have. I think what I learned from that was how to pace myself and how to delegate and when to not delegate. Actually. so, so yeah it was a, it was a big change actually thinking back it was a big change but it was also really exciting and like, we got to do some really amazing things like do these really fun videos that, um so because it was hardly any of you know very small team we kind of had to learn to do everything mm. um and i worked with a brilliant uh videographer and editor um which, you know, it was great to have his expertise on board.
0: So you were doing a, a sort of a full service offering between between you and your three members of staff, and were you reaching yeah. out to freelancers and coordinating that as well?
1: Yeah, so in fact, everyone that worked for me was freelancing. Mm-hmm. We didn't employ anyone, uh, not at that stage. We weren't really, well, I mean, we could have done, but, um, you know, there are advantages and dis- disadvantages, disadvantages of both. So um I mean it grew quite organically. I mean you'll know what it's like. You kind of you work with a client and then you want to think of ways that you can help them more. So yeah. we were kind of always doing that. And I think the disadvantage of what what we I was doing then was that we were to a certain degree we we're putting all our eggs in one basket. And I think that's the risk, isn't it, in marketing world is that You lose a big client. It's very, um, uh, you know, you have to be really agile because, you know, you lose one client and that could be, I don't know, 60 percent of your revenue in a small agent, in a small marketing agency. Um, And being based in the southwest, it's challenging because um, if you're in the southeast, the the way people view marketing, I think, is different. And, you know, there are exceptions, of course, but I think generally, there's maybe a reluctance to invest. I mean, this is back in the uh, 2010 onwards, really, 2010 to 2015, um, where actually marketing since then has got more, more challenging, actually. I think it's got more expensive to find customers for people less. <laughs> and so, it's, it's, you know, it was noisy then, it's even more noisy now.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's really important to, to highlight is that there is so much noise out there and to be an effective marketer, you have to both be aware of it, but also not let it affect you. I think it's very easy to get overwhelmed and to feel... A sense of stress because of all the information and all the potential routes out there. Yes. But uh you know, back in back in 2010, when when you were working on this, did you? How did you manage the the sort of the upheavals and the the stress levels of running a small agency?
1: Um, What I learned from Tai Chi and meditation is having a reset button. So um that's what I call it. It's the ability to reset your system, (laughs) if you like. Because it is relentless and, and um, through meditation and Tai Chi, I was able to do that. And I think that kept me sane, mm. and kept help with my sort of overall energy. It's still difficult. It just gives you a tool to use. Um, and I still value that. And I try and do something every day um, when usually successful in doing something every day to help me with that because our systems our mind our body etc they kind of re-establish balance on their on their own all we need to do is kind of allow it you know so meditation is great because it allows your system to rebalance itself and then you can kind of go again with a different approach or renewed energy Um, and and I think it's very, it's very easy to burn out, isn't it? I think that's the other yeah. thing that I didn't burn out, but I think it, I became aware that I could, uh, probably quite close to that, um, and people do burn out. I think it's quite, you know, in the corporate sector, well, in any in any sector, it's quite common
0: mm.
1: to have that experience of burnout, and I think yeah. that's avo- I think it's very avoidable. And it's also you can recover from that, but it can be pretty it can be quite hard to can take a long time to recover from that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely speak from experience on that, on that part. I I have been there in full burnout. And for people who've never been there, it's very hard to understand that it's not just being a bit tired or being a bit exhausted. It it is the complete emptiness of energy of enthusiasm of motivation of desire for anything really and and to recover from that there is nothing you can do other than stop um you know you whatever whatever techniques and tools that you have at your disposal i i don't think you can work through burnout i don't know what your opinion of that is
1: yeah i think you're right i think you have to stop and give yourself the opportunity to recover your to recharge your batteries at quite a deep level
0: yeah i i think there's going to be more and more people especially in light of how difficult the last 12 months have been who are going to be experiencing burnout shortly um i know we hadn't specifically planned to talk about burnout but i'm wondering since we're here whether you have any advice for for folks who feel like they might be approaching that that mental state
1: yeah. I think the thing, yeah, I think the big thing is to separate um, what's happening in you from what's happening out there, mm-hmm. um, because I firmly believe this uh, that stress is universal. Everyone experiences stress, but the level of stress um, it's a, it's a response to tri- it's a response to triggers. There's no doubt about that. But it's also it's how we it's how we deal with that that makes all the difference. So it's definitely true that we're going to get challenged and we're going to get stresses. But how we how we respond to that, how we react to that will dictate whether it whether that level of stress becomes intolerable or not. Um, And, you know, we all we're all human. We all need to go through things. I think that um, if you can get a kind of handle on your own psychological state, if you can get an understanding of that, then, then you can diffuse a lot of that stress. And that's been my experience, but it's, and it's been the experience of my clients, is that they've been able to, to do that. I've kind of helped them to understand how they can do that for themselves
0: yeah I think that's a really nice way of us moving on to talking about your coaching and you know how how do you help somebody through a problem that they're having or or even just taking it back a step? How do you address the mindset issue of of your practice?
1: Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think it's a, it's a it's a good question. and I mean fundamentally, I believe. Well, my experience actually is that when you actually, I'm going to start that a bit again <laughs> because I've so just pulled something else. Yeah. So, um, so insurmountable problems or things that appear, challenges that appear insurmountable, problems that appear insurmountable, I find absolutely fascinating. I think that that that's where the magic <laughs> happens um and that's where mindset always can come in and help so um when we when we're like right up against it if our face is right up against a a problem that's right in our faces and we're trying desperately to to solve the problem to to you know to to really kind of, uh, I don't know, like almost like force our way through it, then it almost certainly won't work. We need to take a step back and get perspective and find ways of accessing that because that is a mind state, the perspective. Um, And then the insurmountable problem will appear differently. Yeah, so, how we see something is happening in our mindset. So our, our mind is kind of creating what we're seeing. Yeah, getting a bit woo woo about it. But it's a bit like we're a we're a film projector, and uh, we're projecting things out there, rather than we're watching the cinema and where everything's happening to us. It's much more. it's much more active than that. I think so. I mean, it's very provable, this, through our own experience. So, for example, say you've got a really pressing issue or a difficult thing to get through, and you step away from it for a, for a moment, you forget about it, you go and do something else, you go and walk the dog or whatever. Um, that space allows the power of insight to, to happen. It allows the kind of the hidden mechanics of the mind to work. and when we come back to it or or actually when we're doing that other activity we'll probably have like a little breakthrough or another little insight or a big insight or a big breakthrough and it's recognizing those moments that is really key to uh empowering yourself to um just kind of get there quicker, to kind of get to the solutions quicker, to enjoy the journey more, to to not be overwhelmingly stressed out by something because you know you've got the ability to see your way through it. You might not see it now, but you can. And I mean, there's been amazing results with this kind of approach. Um, But, you know, just not just with the people I've been working with, but with people that taught me how to do this, you know? Um, and so um, people like Ken Manning, people like Robin Charbit, Sandra Crott, um, they've been doing it in the States for, for years, this kind of approach, and they've had like ridiculously amazing outcomes with comp- all sorts of companies there. Um, so mindset, I mean it's not just about positive thinking because positive thinking can be pretty useless actually um if it's just a layer another layer of thinking on top of stuff you haven't really got to the bottom of or you know just well, willing these thoughts when actually you fundamentally don't believe them
0: mm.
1: yeah it's not going to work um uh, so, it's like finding a way of letting go to allow new thinking to emerge because that's the process of change. That's how we change. That's how people in marketing come up with new ideas. They, they, that, that creative process. And in marketing, it's so, I mean, there's a load of pressure on you when you work in marketing to come up with new ideas and new and interesting ways to engage, be engaged, and to, to, um, you know to convey the benefits of something um all of that I mean it's it's really it's really hard
0: (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely I think um the way you sorry go on
1: no I I don't know but it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be really hard it can be easier
0: (laughs) Yeah. The, the way that you phrase that about letting go of how you're currently thinking about it in order to allow a new perspective in, I think is, is just such a, such a, um, visualization of a light bulb just going off in my brain hearing you say that because it absolutely is that You, you can't solve a creative issue by going at it from the same direction. So you've got this, this, this perspective shift that you need to undertake. It's, um, it's a little bit like looking at the Rubik's cube from another face and you'll see a completely different color. Yeah, right. Which which kind of leads me on to thinking about what other characteristics of, of mindset make a good marketer. And, you know, one thought I have on that is about curiosity, because you have to be curious to, in order to discover new things. Um, now, what's yeah. your perspective on that?
1: I like that. Um, yeah, I think I think that that's brilliant. I think that um, other aspects or qualities, I think that you can connect with are um, kind of how do you get into the flow, I think is really interesting. So how do you access that flow where, I don't know, everything is kind of, nothing's a problem and you can see solutions really easily and readily. You can see creative solutions really readily um so it's been a lot written about flow states and i think that there's a there's a there's a big thing in there for more people working marketing because if you're in a flow state you can kind of access all of that mm. you can be curious you can be kind of almost like a child like um you know kind of you can immerse yourself in something um I think that's good. I think confidence is hugely important. Um, not just the confidence that comes from outside, but the confidence that it really comes from getting out of your own way. Um, the confidence that comes from inside, from quite a deep place. To know that that's there, I think is a big thing for people in marketing. Um, um, so you can be confident with the client. You can be confident with your team and whichever way you're facing you can be confident um i like i like that i like working on that kind of issue with people in marketing because um you know people hire people hire you in marketing because you're um you're you're creative actually and you can get results and you're able to be engaging and you can you can be you can become the sort of person that's always coming up with solutions that uh, is unfazed by challenges um that has got a good rapport um that can be engaging that empathetic i think empathy is hugely important in marketing but mm. well, everyone will agree but i i think and obviously you you do too i agree yeah
0: i think if if nothing else, you have to empathize with your customers and your prospects, and you have to empathize with your team and the people within the company. Because uh, in my experience, marketers are inevitably the glue that holds the sales team, the operations team, and you know the C-suite together in terms of that information flow. We're quite often conduits for how information will flow around a business. Um, by our very nature, we, I think, need to be curious because we need to to uh you know to look under all the stones and to see you know the true picture of what's going on because that helps us be better marketers Mm. there was a thought I was having there about self-worth um because I know what you were saying about inner confidence I think um I think it's quite dangerous to attach your self-worth to your success in your career Mm. because you as a person are not always and fact probably rarely ever in full control of all the circumstances that will determine your success yeah right do you find you're you're working with people who who have that sort of self-worth attachment to their work
1: um a bit of both I think that you're right I think that the confidence that isn't so attached to achievements obvious achievements is is the better confidence um, uh, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think that uh, your successes are there to be celebrated, um, and but the real confidence is I, is kind of coming from somewhere else. Um, Self worth. Self worth comes from your belief in yourself and your recognition of your qualities and, and I think it's very closely related to how confident you feel on that day as well you know mm. I have a friend called Julian uh, Freeman who's a filmmaker and he, came, he said this really great thing He said, um, he said when my confidence is high my stock is high and I thought that was really good because and how true that was, because you have self-worth when you have confidence. Um but all of these things kind of was like a little bit mysteriously, they kind of exist in a zone of being in the present and being in a place where confidence isn't even an issue. It's just there, you know, you don't have to think it into existence, it's just there for you. Um, and I like that kind of rec- helping people to recognise that, because the narrative is just a narrative, and the narrative will tell you things about your self worth and tell you things about your confidence and all that. But actually, it's not really the, it's not the truth. It's just some thoughts, and we might invest energy in those thoughts, but actually, they're not going to be helping us. They're just going to be making it harder. Um, they're just kind of creating this story that basically gets in our way because we have all these qualities when we're present. Um, we're not overthinking things. We're being intuitive or whatever. It, it's, it's learning to access that in a very direct way is, is so significant for self-worth and confidence, much more than what you can tell yourself. Mm. In, i mean you you still need you know it's still good to tell yourself good things but um you know like when you've i don't know when you've had a brilliant experience doing something like um uh say you've um um gone for a bike ride and you're just kind of in the zone and you just feel great you know uh, um you know your narrative doesn't play a big part in that it um but when you are having a difficult day your narrative is probably playing a much bigger role in that you know, telling you know when you're down it's very easy for the stories to kind of emerge that you know you're no good or whatever that kind of stuff um
0: do you think a a, a physical intervention like going for a walk or a bike ride is a good way of interrupting that narrative in a in a bad day
1: i think it can definitely help um but the shift still has to happen in your mind Mm -hmm. um and i think it will help definitely but um you still have to allow that that change to happen you have to recognize the nature of thought, I think. I think <laughs> um, no. so and what, and that actually thought is just thought, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's not made of concrete, is it? It's not. But we relate to it sometimes as if it is. We relate to it as if it's some sort of permanent phenomena, and it isn't at all. It's just thoughts.
0: So, having that ability to recognise the thought and observe it, and not attach your confidence to it or your um yeah your your self-worth to it it can be a really powerful tool then
1: yeah i think i think i think it's about gaining the insight into into how thinking affects us and how the mind works um when we um, when we recognize how insight how the power of insight works mm. um, then that is kind of where things can change. Um, and you can get yourself out of the negative states much quicker. It's very difficult to think your way out of a negative state. Um, i mean you can you can do it. I guess what i'm saying is that when you have insight into the thoughts that are happening that aren't helpful then you can let them go instantaneously almost you say oh, okay that's that's that thinking okay i know where that's going i'm just going to yeah i'm not investing in that i'm not investing any energy in that um
0: yeah that, that's, that's yeah. really interesting um have you got any examples you could share with us anonymously of course of of marketers you've coached and and the kind of challenges that you've helped them overcome
1: sure um yeah, so I've been working with a client and they have really pivoted their business. I know it's an overused word, but in this, in this case, it's absolutely appropriate. So how they've completely changed their business model. And that has been quite challenging. And how their whole approach to their own narrative has completely changed so that they've enabled themselves to make the changes quite quickly, Uh, actually very quickly. And that's now, um, so that the new concepts are proving themselves now because him, that person as the business owner had the main role in that. And the main role in that change has been how that person thinks or rather how they can, access the power of insight how they can access um real create really great creative thinking to come up with solutions because they've gone off the map and um that is kind of i find that incredibly exciting when when a when a client is able to do that and everyone's able to do that but That, to me, is also genuine innovation. They're not copying anyone. They're actually, oh, this is a new model. Okay, maybe it's been influenced by other people and other people's models, but it's not the same. And in marketing, you know, you can do the kind of bread and butter marketing, can't you? You can do the content, you can do the SEO, you can do the advertising and all of that. You can do it really well and you can, You know, you can make a living from that, can't you? Um, um, But that's kind of doing stuff that everyone else is doing. And I think it's pretty certain it's getting harder. Um,
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: so These new models and new models come from new new mindsets, new thinking, fresh thinking.
0: So would you say in that example, the the biggest change for this person has so they've, they've been able to understand their thoughts more they've got more insight into how they think and then they've used that to almost like get out of their own way
1: 100 yeah yeah and to see how they can do that quicker whereas like maybe uh, before it would have taken a while
0: mm. like,
1: i don't know, like days to kind of get out of that kind of stuck thinking and now it's taking minutes
0: that's yeah. incredible I can imagine, you know, for a marketer who is able to go through this transformation process, the, the ability to think differently so quickly would be huge, especially if you're in a business in a small team, or, you know, maybe you're a, a solo marketer or on your own as a freelancer, being able to have a new direction or, a, you know, a new approach to things is game changing
1: yeah it is and and I've been lucky because the people that have coached me that's where they've been coming from so they're always pushing me (laughs) to do the same thing yeah Um, um and that that is you know that is what changes everything um
0: so if somebody yeah. listening to the podcast wants to be more take a more active role in their mindset and their, their mental well-being, their approach to thinking, where would you recommend that they start?
1: Well, I'm a great believer in meditation. I think that's hugely important. And, you know, there are like millions of meditation centers, um, many running online stuff. Um, so like Google that. And obviously, there's the apps as well, like Headspace and Calm. I think are very important, uh, very useful for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that I I I would recommend this book, Invisible Power. So Invisible Power is Insight Principles at Work. I I love this book. It's so important. It kind of joined a lot of things up for me. So it's Invisible Power, Insight Principles at Work. Everyone's hidden inner capacity, and it's written by. Ken Manning, mm-hmm. Robin Charbit, and Sandra Crot, and so just Google "invisible power." You can get it on Amazon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, it's a it's designed for busy people. I think it's very good for people in marketing, and you can dip in and out of it. You don't have to read the whole thing at once, and it summarizes things really well as you go. Uh, so that's a really good one. Um, and you know, a lot of people do yoga and tai chi and going. You know, just it's about balance, isn't it? You know, and if you're running a marketing agency, you don't want to be sitting in front of a screen for eight hours a day. You want to be breaking that up. Um, and it, I, I, you know, fundamentally believe that it's just not very good for you to be in front of the screen for eight hours a day. Uh, for lots of reasons you know i mean it's just common sense and it's all well researched um so to break that up and to not think you just have to um you know if you're if you're running if it's your business it's it's up to you how you run it Mm. um and you it's you it's your life
0: (laughs) yeah I think as much as the, the last 12 months have been a gigantic upheaval for a lot of people, they have actually paved the way for so many new models of business and ways of doing things. I think for most of us marketers, I think we're, we're incredibly lucky because our job by its very nature is digital. We can be online anywhere, almost any time. Yeah. And so you've got the flexibility to manage your, your health in between that. Yeah. Um I think from my own experience I I've worked in businesses where the expectation is that you are in front of your screen from 9 till 5 and you know I think that sort of thinking is hopefully on its way out because it's not healthy for people and it's also not productive um you know the other thought I had is being productive doesn't equate to hours spent in front of the screen
1: I I yeah totally agree um I remember hearing a story, it's a friend of mine from Tai Chi, Chris Waters. He told me about a company, I think it was New Zealand or Australia. And they had this sales guy, this sales guy who was quite miserable in the team. And they asked him how many days a week he wanted to work. And he was working five days. And he he said, two and a half. (laughs) They said, okay. And he was more productive on those two and a half days a week than he was doing five days a week.
0: Yeah, I think I think the nine to five, five days a week model is, you know, hopefully about to be in our past because uh, our lives just don't work that way anymore. Um, It it doesn't work for such a majority of people now. Um, and I think, I think for us as marketers, we've got an opportunity to pave that way as well. Because, our, like I said, the very nature of our job allows us to to do that. And there will be some professions where it, you know it, it's kind of harder to implement a change of working routine. But I think if if you're a marketer who has the potential to do your job anywhere at any time, you should definitely be trying to make use of that for your own well-being. Yeah,
1: definitely and friends of mine that work in marketing um i have a friend jillian who she won't mind me saying this she runs um left field which is graphic design agency Mm -hmm. Uh, she's so good at this she's so good at just going for walks going for amazing walks uh swimming in the river and not being glued to her screen and yeah i kind of really respect that Mm um and yeah we have that you know in in the marketing world you have that flexibility you can go and go go to bali if you want can you Mm -hmm. Uh, you're a graphic designer (laughs) who used to work from bali and um uh yeah i think i think that is a massive advantage and i think that most marketing i I would imagine i don't know who listens to the podcast but it's mainly solo entrepreneurs or it's agencies
0: it's a real mix great yeah so
1: um you as a solo entrepreneur you have one incredible um well, many incredible opportunities but one of them is that you can be very agile mm. and you can obviously be very project focused and take time out take whatever if you know, when you can afford it go go to go and live in Thailand for three months you know um why not you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: when obviously when we can actually travel again
0: when we're allowed out of our our homes again Uh, (laughs) gosh I'm so ready for that so if someone listening to the podcast has been inspired to to talk to you about mindset coaching can you give us an idea of, of how that process works
1: sure so um people can just email me or check out my website or re- just reach out um mm-hmm. matthewrochford.co.uk or just matthew at matthew Rochford.co.uk. and the first thing that i offer is i call it a discovery session which is really just about getting to know each other and um seeing if there's if it's likely that there's going to be a good match
0: um
1: and that is just something I do for free I don't charge for that because it's just I mean it's such a it's such a um it's such a relationship of high trust that you have to really be certain that you're all working with the right coach and um it also gives me a, a, an opportunity to listen really quite carefully to the potential client um and just to kind of get a sense of who they are and where they're at now uh, a bit like what you did in a way it's like finding out how they've got how they their, their journey
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's important to them what their values are um and and that usually lasts for an hour and a half. Sometimes it's more, like maybe up to two hours. Um, so that enables uh, that enables them to make an informed decision, because that's what both parties want. Um, and there are many coaches out there, um, so you you know you have to find the right one for you. And then after that, then normally there would be like a six month. Uh, process what in the coaching sometimes 12 months
0: mm-hmm.
1: it depends say somebody's got a real clear goal that is emerging that's probably going to be 12 months and we'll work for 12 months um but anyway 6 or 12 months doesn't really matter whatever whatever is most appropriate and then i kind of design the program around them and we uh, we work on certain things certain goals qualitative and quantitative mm-hmm. and we we have a a process where the coaching sessions usually run for 2 hours so they're quite long but i think that i mean they're only one they're once a month so we we go quite deep and i think it's incredible it's really transformative uh, to work like this so it's 2 hours a month for say six months or twelve months, but then um, I'm completely on board with the client. So if they want to contact me and have a phone call, whatever, then then that's part of the coaching program. So in between the sessions, so the cornerstone of the sessions, there's that ability to reach out at any time, and then there's the 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 coaching journey is documented so I document that coaching journey and I capture the key insights and the client is completely part of that they can edit what I do they can change what I do uh, that's fine but it just helps to kind of capture that process of change accountability um, key insights goals when they're like super clear all of that resources that we might put into that document so that's how i like to work and um and that is the process and the process is a process of change and a process of transformation um and you know it's it's change is difficult sometimes and um that's where coaching comes into its element and it's a vehicle for you to get from A to B, and in a way that you probably, well, you might be able to do that on your own. I'm not saying you can't, but if you have an ally, then it's much easier. It's much more. Uh, I would say it's it's more transformative, and it's more. Um. Um. It's accelerated, actually. I'd say.
0: If somebody is still considering what goal that might be, would you recommend they they get clear on that before they get in touch with you, or is that something that you can work through with with folks?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question because sometimes someone's really super clear about a goal, but I always like challenge that a bit because I want to know if that is the goal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and some people just know that some change they want some some change to happen and they might have a sign they might have a goal in mind but maybe that isn't the real goal mm-hmm. so the real goal might be quite different and it usually comes out quite quickly for them um and i think that's the skill of the coach certainly with my coach it's about the questions that they ask
0: mm-hmm. so
1: how you could be challenging but supportive and also help to see from a different perspective and sort of wondering questions are really powerful um so they're not they encourage they encourage you to come up with the answer um because we might have a goal of i don't know just randomly we might have a goal of getting a bigger house but that's not really going to be the goal the goal is going to be something else it's it's about how we how we want to feel yeah um and the house isn't going to make you feel anything in particular not long term anyway okay you can enjoy a bigger house you might have a practical reason for having a bigger house and you might just want to have a big house fine but it's not going to make you feel a certain way all the time or for very long it it's it's not really doesn't really life doesn't really work like that does it
0: yeah no that's really interesting um so uh you've already given your your website and your email address i'm or, i'm going to put this up on the uh, the marketing website as well so anyone who's looking for those links and a link to the book um just on a last point if there was was one piece of advice you could give to a marketer listening to the show today what would that be
1: I think it's to listen to your gut instinct or your intuition Mm -hmm. Um, if you do want to make a change um, and actually just for general decision making to, to help you make the right decisions that are good for you and for your business because those two things are intimately intertwined.
0: Fantastic well it's been a pleasure having you on the show Matthew thank you so much for being here.
1: Been wonderful to to speak with you and to meet you.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks folks for listening and uh, I'll see you next time.